0: okay ladies and gentlemen welcome the fuck back to love doctor fm so i apologize for my absence all right i promise i have an explanation and here it is i had recorded a little mini episode it was like 18 to 20 minutes basically giving you guys an introduction to my very very first interview on this podcast okay i'm super excited to post it And I like record that. I'm super excited. I do the interview. I've got all my questions written out. I feel like an actual like journalist, like podcast person. And then my original like 20 minute intro file gets corrupted. And I am just devastated. But then I end up working for a bunch of days straight and like doing homework. So I don't even have the time to re-record. But I do now. So here we are. So I'm very excited to reintroduce this topic, and for you guys to hear my interview, um, I'm going to be posting these at the end of the week instead of the beginning of the week, which I think I might end up switching to an end-of-the-week schedule just because it's more convenient for me. So I'm going to say look out for any new episodes Friday through Sunday from now on instead of Monday through Wednesday. But um, let me give you an introduction to this topic and let's, let's get into it okay so can I start off by saying that like one of the things I really love about podcasting especially recently is that I have really bad ADHD like if you could see the state of my room it's so bad so I forget to do a lot of things but for me when I like don't want to work because I'm overstimulated or when I can't focus or when I just like am super like I don't want to do homework I don't want to go to work I don't want to talk to anyone all I want to do is like podcast like I literally just want to sit here and talk to you guys um So yes, I'm very excited about that. It's become kind of like something that I can do in my free time that I genuinely like doing, which is awesome for me because I find that I like start a bunch of projects and I have all these hyper fixations, but they're just that they're hyper fixations. So they go away after a while. And I don't think this is going to be like that so i'm gonna start by introducing this and telling you guys a story all right so it's like the middle of quarantine right we're like three or four months into covid nobody's going anywhere everybody is fucking miserable and i remember i followed this person on tiktok and their at is like hawk hates you and then it gave me a bunch of recommended for like their entire friend group and i thought hawk was like so funny so like visually attractive and i just like loved their content and all i saw for them were i guess like more i guess you could say like throwaway videos so like comedy videos them like making little jokes about like their trauma their astrology sign etc etc and then as i scrolled further down their tiktok i found out that they were an only fans content creator and i was like what is only fans like what is that is that like a website and then you know i did some digging and i find out that only fans is this huge content creation platform that's basically just been like taken over by sex workers because it is a way for them to put their content out there on the internet and control how much money they're making essentially and i found like tons and tons of videos of people talking about like how only fans is like revolutionary for sex work and it's so much better for sex workers than the porn industry and i was like oh my god like this is amazing because even though i am not a sex worker i i have always been like interested in that kind of side of things you know you hear it all the time growing up and you never really know what it is whether it's prostitution whether it's stripping whether it's porn like there's always people in the media who do that kind of stuff and not only do they get shamed for it they never really detail what it's like how much money they make they never really are transparent about that if they're big enough it's only ever the smaller content creators who are upfront and honest like yeah this is how much i make a year this is how much i make in a good month versus a bad month like you know it's very interesting to to me. So I was very like qu- I was very interested in lis- like learning more about this. So, that brings us to today's topic, okay? So, I have a friend and she is a sex worker. She's within the top 3.4, I believe, percent on OnlyFans. She also has, I think it's 27k on Twitter on the like NSFW OnlyFans content creator side of Twitter. She's Like a ball to talk to. She's so fun, and I loved interviewing her. And next week, I am going to be posting the full unedited interview that I got to do with her, where she basically took me through what it means to be a sex worker, and more than that, what it means to be a disabled sex worker who relies on sex work as her main source of income. I'm super stoked. I'm super excited, and I hope you guys are too. I'm very, like, I just I love this and I think that this is such a great direction to take the podcast in right now and I'm so so excited. So, yes. Now, I won't lie. I feel like sex work kind of has a revolution or some kind of an empowerment um movement every generation. I think for the generation that came before Gen Z, it was porn, you know? Like It was literally people quitting their jobs or deciding that they didn't want to work a nine-to-five and just being like you know what fuck it like i'm gonna do porn and that's so interesting to me like you hear of all of these names of people who are like famous porn stars like lana rhodes abella danger owen gray small hands like so many people who have just like seemingly made it so far in this industry and it kind of like It makes you think like, oh my god, I wonder how they did it because I'm going to be honest with you, it's terrifying to think about being isolated the way that sex workers are. In the industry like in entertainment in general and just in humanity like in their everyday lives i remember when i would constantly get the talks from my parents and from like teachers at school like you know don't ever send nudes because you don't know what that person's going to do with that information like that thought alone scared me out of ever like sending any explicit pictures of my body to anyone you know for my entire high school career so you can imagine how scared i was like thinking about the idea of like okay you're in a very intimate moment with someone maybe it's someone that you're not familiar with or maybe it's like your partner you film it you post it on the internet and it goes viral like how do you cope with that in my head that is such a crazy thing to think about it's definitely not as crazy anymore like I've definitely rationalized it a lot now I definitely am not as I guess worried about what the public perception of me would be if I ever chose to do something like that but when I first realized that like I guess you could say i think millennials are the generation ahead of gen z that was their kind of sexual revolution it was so interesting to me and the biggest example is mia khalifa now for those of you who don't know i'll give you a little background mia khalifa is a um i want to say she's lebanese and she is um somebody who in the early 2000s worked in porn for a period of time and then also did cam stuff and she her whole story just talks about how she was locked in an extremely predatory contract with this entertainment company who was paying her pennies for videos that were going insanely viral okay now she's had like a ton well not really a ton but like a good few viral videos and because of her background and because of the content of some of the videos she was actually banned from her home country and from the middle east she cannot go back there and it's essentially changed her life she's has been recognizable ever since and according to her she's never been able to live a normal life even when she was working normal nine to five jobs her bosses um employees like you know customers and she was just constantly being harassed by people wanting to know um feeling like they were entitled to get stuff from her judging her like i I couldn't imagine it when i first heard about who she was and what her story was and i remember she did an interview with alex cooper from call her daddy and I listened to the whole thing, and she's done a couple other ones. And it's been so interesting to me to hear her story because when I think of like famous people who've done sex work publicly or who've done porn, Mia Khalifa is like one of the first names that comes to my list. And it's so upsetting to see what the fallout has been for her because she's never been able to live a normal life. And she's somebody who I think really wanted to after the fact and obviously all i can do is speculate but if i was to speculate i would say that like i think that she probably felt at that point in her life where she decided to pursue entertainment that she didn't have a choice because her name was going to be in headlines anyway people were going to recognize her anyway that video is still gaining views to this day it has like hundreds of millions of views and i believe at one point her video was the most watched video on the orange and black platform that we shall not name so, I, it's like insane to me. Now, like I said, every generation has had their different form of sexual revolution, okay? So, for the millennials, it was porn. For the generation ahead of them, it was kind of normalizing, like, like gentlemen's clubs like escort clubs and still that kind of passed down more into the millennial generation a generation of like you know divorcées single mothers um a lot of teen pregnancies a lot of people who felt like they just needed to do anything to make money but there has been some significant shift in sexual liberation in every generation like you know in the 70s when people were like if we want to have sex we're going to have sex like wh- why is it such an issue and in gen z it's OnlyFans. So for those of you who don't know how OnlyFans works, it is a subscription-based platform where you essentially pay per month to view somebody's exclusive content. Now, a lot of creators use this as like almost a Patreon, which is the same thing, and or a similar idea, and they use it to give access to their fans to exclusive content. So if I'm a YouTuber and I know that I have like a ton of behind the scenes footage, I take that footage, I edit it down to a half an hour video and I post it on OnlyFans, and then all of my subscribers who pay me $10 a month which is really seven because only fans takes a cut of it but we'll talk about that in a second um they get access to this 30 minute video of all of my behind the scenes footage so i'm sure that in its inception it was created as a way to give content creators an opportunity to monetize their content but obviously Anyone who is a, you know, sex worker who worked probably predominantly doing like scenes with other people during COVID didn't have that opportunity because there were so many restrictions. Nobody could travel. You couldn't see anybody. So what do you do when your main source of income is work that you do with someone else or work that relies on you being able to travel if you're working with a production company? You know what? You buy a $30 tripod off Amazon. You set your phone up and you do it your fucking self. It is been revolutionary for the sex work industry, like all over the internet, for people to create OnlyFans. But with that, it has also brought in a lot of false information about how that platform works and how easy it is to garner attention. So, for example, I remember when I was researching OnlyFans, there was this girl basically talking about how she had turned 18 and she decided to do OnlyFans and she just posted videos of her butt and like leggings and swimsuits and she made like $10,000 a month and it was like the most insane thing to me i was like are there seriously people who would pay for this and like all of these topics are things that i raised to my um interview person in our interview but it's just to give you kind of an idea of what the discourse and what the conversation is like surrounding OnlyFans and how honestly like insane it's been okay so i i want you guys to realize that i will never deter you from doing what makes you happy okay sex work is a Big deal. It is a huge undertaking, and it can take a huge toll on someone mentally and sometimes physically. But I will never deter someone from doing it because I think that a lot of people use it as a form of like personal, you know, empowerment. I think that a lot of people um, tend to think that sex work is very, very easy. But the people that do do it, they do it for a reason. But I want you to have all the information, and I want you to be careful with the decisions that you make. OnlyFans is an eighteen plus platform. Okay, you have to be 18 they verify you they age check you you've got to send in pictures of your idea it's an entire process so this is something that is made specifically for adults and yet there are still kids who get onto this platform and you know it's still very dangerous as a career sex work should be widely accepted but it's not unfortunately and that means that there is constantly a security issue when it comes to this career or something that people want to kind of undertake so in my interview i raise all these questions about like you know how do you go about your personal safety what kind of experiences have you have regarding your safety and i think you guys are really gonna like this i'm really excited So, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the kind of misconceptions that come with OnlyFans, which is also something I cover in the interview, but it is something that genuinely perturbs me, okay? So... I remember like when everyone was doing OnlyFans, like it was a huge thing. People I feel like it's also like it ties into like BBL culture. And if you don't know what that is, that's a very Gen Z thing to say. But I feel like it ties in a lot to like BBL culture, BBL fashion. I feel like that is kind of a lot of how people monetize themselves and choose to do OnlyFans. Um and what I mean by that is essentially obviously there's been an Influx in 2022 and 2021 alone of young women getting BBLs, which is essentially the Brazilian butt lift. So, if I'm not mistaken, it is a procedure where you take fat from other parts of your body, specifically like your stomach, arms, um, wherever else, and you um, surgically have it placed in your bum, and it gives your bum like it's it it is what it says it is like you get a larger kind of perkier nicely shaped butt you kind of get the fat from certain unwanted areas removed and you get all touched up and you look like a kardashian now in my personal opinion i think the trend has gotten ridiculous and i do call it a trend because i know that bbls were popular before but seeing the way they've gotten popularized uh, among gen z and i like seeing the way that that beauty standard has become like the ultimate standard is number one ridiculous because standard literally change all the time and i'm now hearing people talk about how like heroin chic and like tumblr borderline ed culture like body types are now back in fashion so i feel like that's ridiculous because you should never change your body to fit a standard but number two seeing how it's become popularized in this way of like literally young women paying thousands of dollars to go fly to different countries and getting these surgeries and looking like it's, it's gone too far, I feel. I think that some people are so obsessed with the idea of a perfect body that their, their perception of what that looks like becomes very skewed. And some people, I'm sorry, but some people do look a little ridiculous when they get these procedures done. But again, if that's what makes them happy, like, you know, I'm all for that and I will support it. But sometimes I see it and I'm like, I can't imagine what kind of health concerns and physical limitations this is gonna place on you. But anyways, that's my little rant about BBLs and we'll talk about that in the episode about like plastic surgery and all that kind of stuff. But um BBL culture is now a thing. So like you get the procedure which means you have a hot body. So what do you do? You buy hot clothes and I feel like there's a specific kind of clothing called bbl clothing that essentially accentuates people who have these insanely proportioned ridiculous bodies like the girls on fashion nova the clothes that they make are so tiny they're so small and they're made to accentuate bodies that don't exist in real life And part of that, that I've seen and, like, experienced personally, sorry y'all, I had to take a break because my mama called me, but what I was saying was, what I've been seeing personally is, now that BBLs are so popular, so many of these women are able to go on OnlyFans and like, these extremely tiny clothes that they now wear, or in workout gear, or in their underwear, and make so much money, and like almost advertise that as a new way of life there have been people who have quit their jobs to pursue this lifestyle and i'm here to tell you that it is unrealistic and unsustainable yes a girl with a body who looks like It literally was made in The Sims, wearing next to nothing and posing in front of a camera is bound to make money the same way that she's bound to get attention on Instagram. But A, not everyone has that body and B, not everyone already has a following. And so many of these girls already have a following just from getting the procedure done. So I feel like that is something that ties into BBL or sorry, into the OnlyFans girl lifestyle that is now being portrayed And it's so weird to me because I see it and I'm just like, if you only knew, if the public only realized how many creators on this app struggle to make enough money to pay their bills or make more than $100 a month. And trust me, $100 may sound like a lot, but that shit goes fast, especially when the platform takes a percentage of your earnings. And I believe the percentage is something like... I don't I don't even know what it's like, honestly. I can't speak on that because I don't remember the number that the person I interviewed gave me, but like it is very dangerous to idolize this kind of lifestyle and while i support it and sometimes hell i even encourage it if that's what you want to do i think that everyone needs to have a realistic idea of like what it takes to become successful on this platform this is something that you cannot do half-assed this is something that you cannot just dip your toes into and decide that you want to do one day the people who are successful on this platform like hawk the tiktoker i mentioned this is like their everyday life constantly posting constantly taking Taking content, planning meetups, planning trips, um, interacting with other creators. Like it is a whole thing. It is the same kind of lifestyle that you would expect of a regular influencer or a TikToker like an Addison Rae or a Charlie D'Amelio. The only difference is that this is now extremely taboo. Which means that once you do this, there is no going back because everything on the internet lives forever. And If somebody were to recognize you, if you were to gain a lot of fame or notoriety, there's no way to unpush that button. So, next week, we will be diving into the life of a content creator who does this full time, who's had the experiences both positive and negative you know what it means to grow on this platform and what it means to really put your whole heart and soul and literally your into doing it so i'm really excited i hope you guys are too and i will see you next week thank you so much for listening to love dr fm